Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Thank you, Dream Team. I'm so proud of you. Everybody, I love the team growing. I love to see new faces on the stage every week and new faces serving in Dream Team all over church life. But uh, I, I think you were out of the room, so I just there's a lot of things I've done wrong in five years. One of the things I did not do wrong is build a team, and uh, it's evidenced by things like Julie hosting service today. And I'm just so proud of you. And yeah. And uh, if you're looking for a place to serve, you can't host a service, but there's a place for you, everybody. There's a place for you. We're in this series called Kingdom Code. We're talking about unlocking the kingdom in your life and the attitude, the, the posture of your heart that you can, if you'll adopt this, uh, it really is a code, a key that you can unlock the blessing of God on your life. How many of you want the blessing of God in every area of your life? Come on, everybody in the room. I want the favor of God on my life. I want the blessing of God in my family. I want the blessing of God on my marriage. I want God's favor in my finances. I want it on my business. I want it on my children. But it doesn't just happen by happenstance. Everything in the Bible, the Bible is a book of covenant. And in covenants, it always starts like this. If you, then I. In other words, if you've got a part to play, and if you'll do this, it's like a key that unlocks the kingdom in your life. Say amen to that. So last week we talked about uh, committing to the party, that that's a key, a kingdom code. Let me give you this one this week. Write this in your notes if you're taking notes. If you're not, write this in your notes anyway. Why would you not take notes in church? So write this down. I want to teach you today about ruling your spirit. This is the code that you rule your spirit. I could have titled today, My Spirit, My Responsibility. My Spirit, my responsibility. You, you ever met somebody in your life who blames other people for their reactions? Just look straight ahead for the next 30 seconds or so so you don't get in trouble. I want you to go home with whoever you came with. So, You ever met somebody who says, well, I only act this way because you, well, you know my buttons and you push my buttons and when you do, then, that, then, I, then I go crazy and throw stuff. Look straight ahead. I, I, I wouldn't, I, the only reason I have this attitude is because of them. If they weren't the way they were, then I wouldn't act like I do. Are you with me, everybody? You know somebody like that? Are you married to somebody like that? Don't shake your head. Are you, are you living in somebody's house like this? The truth of the matter is, it's not them. You are in control of your spirit. Let me say that better. You are in control of your emotions, your thoughts, your responses, your attitudes, your character, your conversation, your Facebook post, and your Instagram pictures. Nobody made you do nothing. You did what you did because you chose. You rule your spirit. Can I get a better amen? <laughs> If you don't hear anything else I say today, you need to take ownership for your spirit. I have a six-year-old little boy named Henry, whom I love very much, my first son, and who I am well pleased. And Henry had a breakdown this past week, um, and uh, I forget even the, the situation surrounding it, but he was angry, and he's an angry crier. Anybody know what I'm talking about there when you get mad and you cry? And 
So he gets mad and he's crying, but he's really not mad at us. He's really, he, I mean, he's, he's very, uh, he owns the mistake. You know, I'm, I'm mad at me and I can't believe I, I did this and I made this happen. And then the consequence that comes. But, but after a little while of, of hearing that, his godly father says to him, you're going to have to stop that. <laughs> you, Daddy can't hear no more of this, okay? And this is what he said. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about with the lip? <laughs> and he says, he says this words. He says, I'm trying, but I can't. And in this moment, at six years old, I looked at my son in the eyes and I said, Son, I understand why you're saying it, but you're not telling the truth. Because you can. Now listen, I know that seems harsh for six. And please don't, e if you email me uh, uh, complaints, it's aubrey at cityhillstx.com. The, re the reason why I looked at my six-year-old and told him that is because I don't want a 16-year-old who doesn't rule his own spirit. I don't want a 26-year-old who doesn't know how to rule his spirit. And so he acts out and says, I, I, I can't control me. No, you can control you. God put me in control of my own spirit. And how I control my spirit determines the open doors of my life. Are you there? I'll show it to you in God's word. Proverbs 16, 32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, but he who rules his spirit is better than, that's, it's referencing the same, the same prepositional phrase, is better than he who takes the city. In other words, if you'll master ruling your own spirit, you are stronger than, than an army who can take down a whole city. A couple of chapters later, the wisest man who ever wrote, Solomon says it like this in Proverbs 25, the opposite is also true. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city who's broken down without walls. I want you to imagine Solomon writing to the ancient world, and the best picture I can give you, if you've been around the Bible at all, is Jericho. Jericho is this walled city. You know this, the first battle that the Israelites have in the, as they cross into the promised land. And, and Jericho's a walled city whose walls are seven to nine feet thick, not tall, thick, nine feet wide and they're probably 30 or 40 feet tall around the whole city and this is how the ancient world would protect their city and they would they would put uh, mounted uh, uh, soldiers along the top of the wall and the bible said solomon said everybody knew this word picture that a city is protected by its walls and and solomon said when you don't rule your own spirit it's like all of the walls of your city, of your heart, of your life are torn down and now you're defenseless against your enemies. Buckle up because this is going to get bumpy. The reason why the devil's attacking you is not because you're so special. It's because if you haven't learned how to rule your spirit, every single day he's lobbing attacks into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit because you didn't take control and thereby put up defenses. I'm already preaching better than you're amening, I can tell. The Bible says you can control this. 
We live in a world that says, I'm out of, I, I, I can't control my anger. I don't know. They make me do that. And, and, and I'm offended by, and oh God, please help me not to get bad emails. I, I'm triggered by that. I can't believe you posted that. I'm shook. <laughs> Honey, you can get unshook. Are you listening to me? You're in control of your spirits. Shout amen to that. And if you don't get control of it, you are like a city without walls. A spirit that's out of control is on full display whenever there's an attack. It's easy to see the person who has an out of control spirit who isn't ruling their own spirit, taking responsibility for their own spirit when an attack comes, when an offense comes, when, when there's questioning when you, you, ever, you ever question somebody about something and you have no idea why they blew up like that? You ever said something like, hey, can I borrow a pen? And then 30 minutes later, there's shrapnel everywhere and you're bleeding and half your arm's hanging off. And you're like, baby, I didn't know. I, I just needed a pen. I, I, I don't know what, why. Because I don't have control of my own spirit. It's always on display. For someone who doesn't rule their spirit. An uncontrolled spirit has no defenses against temptation. If you're constantly being tempted by the devil, it's not because you're so holy. <laughs> it's not because the devil wants you so bad. It's because you're an easy target. It's because you haven't built defenses against your spirit. You don't have any muscles for hard tasks. An uncontrolled spirit has problems loving the people closest to them... They sure have no capacity to love people who aren't close to them. They just have no defense. Are you still there? Conversely, your spirit has a way of making a way for you in this world. Now, I'm going to challenge some of your theology because some of us believe if God wants me to have it, it'll just open up. If God wants me to get it, then I'll get it. If I've counseled countless people who said, Pastor, if God wants me to have this, if God wants to give me this promotion, if God wants to give me a good husband, if God wants to give me a good wife, if God wants to give us this job, if God wants, then it, God will work it out. Now, I understand what you're saying, and, and, and you're right. God is in control and sovereign and can do anything. But the fact of the matter is your spirit plays a role in your promotion. I'm going to prove it to you. Daniel is taken captive by the Babylonians. He and a bunch of his friends are then put in charge in places of power in Babylon. But Daniel distinguishes himself distinguishes himself among his brethren. All the other guys get low-level jobs. Daniel gets a high-level job. Daniel 6 and 3, I'll tell you why. Then this Daniel was preferred. Let me stop here and say, God doesn't have favorites, but the world does. And if you want preference in the world, you need to do what Daniel did. Daniel was preferred above presidents and princes. Come on, I prefer some people above presidents and princes too. Anyways, I'm just above presidents and princes because why? Why, did, why was the door for promotion opened in Daniel's life? Why did he get all the breaks? He wasn't born into the right family. He didn't come from the right side of the tracks. He didn't, wasn't related to the right people. No, the, the promotion came, the preference came in his life because Daniel had an excellent spirit. 
And the king thought, I can trust him over the whole realm. Let me pause here and tell you, the king is looking for people he can trust. And what he's looking at is not your performance or your smile. He's looking at your spirit. Can you, can you control your spirit? Can you rule over your spirit? Do you have an excellent spirit? Shout amen to that. Anybody can have an average spirit. Anybody can have a get done, uh, good enough, lowest common denominator spirit. But if you want God to open up the doors in your life and give you supernatural favor and promotion and blessing. If you want to unlock the door and behind that door is blessing from God and preference from man. It comes by ruling your spirit. It's the code to the kingdom. And if you'll, if you'll get control of your spirit, if you'll check your spirit, some people can't figure out why you aren't chosen. I, I, I remember, I'm, I'm a little vertically challenged, whatever. Great, the baby cries when I say it. Remember playing on t-ball team when I was little, er. And I remember what the feeling of not being chosen. Anybody know that feeling when, you know, everybody's there and you're just, you're, guys put me in coach and they're like, nah, not the runt, not the little dude. No, we can't put him. And, and uh, they, they, really, they really pumped me up telling me that right field was, was where all the star players are. It's not. It's not. I just can't run fast. It takes me t- t- two steps to get to your one anyways. The feeling of not being chosen. Maybe you know what that feeling is like. And listen, there's some people who have lived 30, 40 years of their life not being chosen. And it's not because you don't have the skill, the purpose, or the anointing of God. It's because you haven't ruled your spirit. And now the king can't preference you, can't, get, can't open a door for you because your spirit isn't under control. Let me give you a couple of ways. If, how many lists... Makers are in the room. Anybody like listen? Everybody on church online? You're going to love church today. I have six different lists to give you. I'm telling you, this is going to be your favorite day. <laughs> Write them down good. Let me give you three reasons why. Three reasons why we have an unruly spirit. Three reasons why our spirit isn't in control. Number one, we let our past cripple us. Somebody told you you weren't good enough. Somebody raised you in a home that was broken. And so because they couldn't get a relationship together, you feel like you have to break every other relationship you're in. Somebody raised you and didn't, didn't affirm you enough. And because you didn't get enough affirmation as a little girl, you seek it from absolutely everybody. And when your husband doesn't do the thing that only God can do, and that's give you value, then you explode in your marriage, not because of your husband's lack of affirmation, but because your spirit is not in control because your past is coming up. We let our past cripple us. If you don't settle your yesterdays, you'll cripple your tomorrows. If you don't settle your yesterdays, if you don't decide, I, I, I'm not going to be held captive. The, the children of Israel, we're in the Passover week. We just came through Passover at Sabbath this past weekend. And the, the beautiful picture of Sabbath, uh, of Passover, excuse me, as, as the death angel passes over, you know the story. And, and every firstborn is killed in all of Egypt except for those with the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. And, 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 then, and then the children of Israel leave. They leave in a hurry. I, I read it again this weekend. 
uh, as we started Passover. And the Bible said to eat with your clothes on and your spear in your hand. They ate fast and they were ready to leave. And the moment that, they, that the death angel passed, they leave and they go through the Red Sea, a type of water baptism. And, and they get into the promised land. And three days after they're there, they're already complaining. It's interesting, the stuff that you prayed for when you get it still doesn't satisfy you. 430 years of captivity and three days later they're still complaining. Some people aren't happy being healed because they get attention being broken. <laughs> and so they're complaining about two things. Read it for yourself. They complain that they don't have onions and leeks. <laughs> okay, so you want bad breath and no date. Okay, all right. That's what you're into, onions and leeks. There's no onions and no, at least in Egypt we had all of this stuff. At least we had all this. Why would you start complaining after 430 years of generational slavery when God brings you out three days later supernaturally under the hand of God? Why would you complain about that? Let me tell you why. Because you can get out of Egypt and still not have Egypt out of you. And I've met a lot of people who are on their way to heaven but are still bound on earth, crippled by their past. Crippled by something that happened. There's a Stockholm Syndrome to your past. You know what Stockholm Syndrome is? It's where a kidnapped, a captive person starts feeling sympathy for their captor. They start thinking differently about their captivity. Well, at least I understood it. At least it was better there. And you let your past cripple you. Somebody that left you. Somebody that abandoned you. A relationship that fell apart. And now it's holding you back. And you haven't ruled your spirit because you haven't healed from your past. Can I get a better amen? amen? Number two, reasons why we have an, a, a wrong spirit is we let culture define us. We let culture tell us who we are instead of God telling us who we are. We let culture tell, I read it recently, 87% of all Christians never discover God's purpose for their life. 87% of all Christians just live Christianity without really knowing why God designed you like he did, put you on this planet, and then get busy doing what God called you to do. Now, that's not true for you. Our church is built on the idea that you can discover your purpose and then put it to use, making a difference and changing the world. But it's amazing to me the number of Christians who would just rather let, instead of going to God and saying, God, you tell me who I am and what I am and how you designed me and what you want me to do. They let culture tell us who we are and what we are and how we act and how we live. Can I preach for about 30 seconds? I'm not a I'm not a normal uh, issues guy. I'm not I'm I'm honestly I promise you I'm not. This is not an activist kind of church. If you're looking for that, you're at the wrong church. I'm just not that guy. But I'm mad at the devil, and I just I wanted to tell him publicly. If you're okay with that, over the last weekend, Lil Nas X comes out and creates a music video where he's dance gives a lap dance to the devil. Does a does a the true story? Don't Google it. I just, if you've got a child in your home under the age or over the age of 10 years old, you need to know this because they know this and you need to know this. He, he, he made a deal with Nike. They've released 666, a limited edition of Nike shoes. They're, they're dedicated to the devil. They, they have a pentagram on the top and human blood in the soul. Oh, pastor, that's just a publicity stunt. Okay, who's he publicizing? Just look at me in the eyes. I'm not preaching against. This isn't cancel culture. I'm not telling you what to do with your life. I'm just telling you the devil has an agenda. You better decide what God wants out of you. Because if you don't, culture will define you. 
And you'll look up and your child's 18 years old and you can't figure out why they are where they are and how they got where they got. It's because we let culture define us instead of God. God, you tell me who I am and what I am and how I am. God, you tell me how we live and what my identity is. Come on, I'm not trying to please you. I'm trying to please God. Shout amen to that, everybody. All right, that was all of it. Galatians 6, I'm sorry, Galatians 1 and 10 says it like this. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or am I trying to win the approval of God? If I'm trying to please men, I cannot, would not be a servant of Christ. Reason why we have an unruly spirit is because we have too much of the world in our spirit. And culture defines us. Here's the third reason why we have an unruly spirit. The, 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 you let culture define who you are. We let our past cripple us. And then number three, we try to do it all alone. We try to do it all alone. God never designed for you to be fulfilled without other people. Shout amen to that. True fulfillment can never come alone. I always find it funny when people say, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just not a people person. Well, if you're a person, you're a people person. Because God doesn't make persons who aren't people persons. All the persons he made, he made to be people, and all people are people persons. <laughs> well, me and God, have a, we just have a deal worked out where I don't have to go to church, and I don't have to be in a small group, and I don't have to serve. Oh, do you? <laughs> no, you and God don't have a deal worked out. Every time the Bible talks about the people of God, it always does it in group terms. We're the family of God. We're the fellowship of believers. We're the body of Christ. We're the flock of God. We're the, it's never about you. It's always about us. And you cannot do it alone. Shout amen to that. Anything 2020 has taught us is this. I am not good by myself. My spirit gets unruly when I'm alone. Are you there? This is true. Brandy, uh, occasionally if she takes the kids out for a few hours and for whatever reason, I'm left at home. Not when I travel. When I travel, it's a little different. I'm around people and walking in my calling. But when I'm at home, I have found, Scott, this is a truth that I've discovered about me. When I'm at home for an extended period of time by myself, I get in a bad mood just being with me. <laughs> and I don't know why. But I'll be home alone. And then when I get, when, when Brandy comes home with the kids... I'll be in a bad mood for no good reason just because I've been alone. And there's some people, you don't really have a good reason why your spirit's unruly. It's just because you've been alone too long. You've been alone. And, 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 and the isolation of 2020 and COVID has, has made you alone. And now you can't, I've never dealt with depression until this. I never dealt with an unruly spirit until this. And if you'll have, a, you'll always have a spirit you're not in control of as long as you try to control it alone. Shout amen to that, everybody. All right, so let me give you some ways to rule your spirit. And I want to wrap it around a story in the Old Testament from King David. David, uh, King David, um, Goliath killing David, man after God's own heart, David had an epic failure in his life. The Bible says uh, in the Old Testament that it was springtime and it was the time that kings go off to war. There's a time in, in the year when most kings were battling and off to war and David is usually leading the charge uh, with the, the army of Israel. He is the king and it's right for 
that king to kind of always be out front. But the Bible continues, it says in springtime, it was time when kings go off to war, but David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Let me pause here and say, some of the reason why your spirit is under attack is because you're supposed to be doing some stuff God's called you to do, that you're not walking in your purpose, and when you do, you're like a city whose defenses are down and temptation comes. If you would have been at war, Bathsheba would have bathed all alone. (laughs) That's a side note. So David goes out in the evening. Now, I don't know. There's a little bit of interpretation here in the message translation a little bit. David's on his rooftop in a bathrobe with a little mixed drink. Come on, somebody. He's kind of walking like this. A little slow. Short robe. You're getting it. Y'all with me? Ice clinging around the glass. Staring at the stars. And oh my God. There's a woman over there. Taking a bath. The Bible says Bathsheba's on a neighboring roof bathing naked. That's a good way to bathe by the way. I don't know why I included that. Suddenly the Marvin Gaye music comes on in the background. Come on, somebody. Hey, brown chicken, brown cow. David calls for Bathsheba. Y'all better use kids ministry. I've been warning y'all. David calls Bathsheba to come to his house, to the palace. The Bible says she comes up. She gets dressed and come over. I always think that's funny. Why'd you get dressed, girl? You was naked just a minute ago. Anyway. She gets dressed and comes over. They sleep together. She gets pregnant. She goes to David, I'm pregnant. What do we do now? David said, I'll handle it. Calls for the captain of his army. He says, I want you to put her husband, Uriah, not her ex-husband, her husband, Uriah, in the heat of the battle at the front lines where I know he'll get killed. He does just that, and Uriah is killed. David takes Bathsheba as his wife. Their son, or their child, we don't know if it was a son, their child dies that they had conceived in adultery. And God restores and gives them Solomon, the great wise king. Nathan, the prophet. There's only one prophet in Israel at the time. Nathan's the prophet. Some of y'all would hate that. There's only one preacher in the whole country. If y'all don't like him, you can't church hop. Anyway. Nathan comes to David, tells him a story. And he says, you're the man. I know, what, I know what you did. God knows what you did. And David gets so upset. And he repents. And he writes the 51st Psalm as a repentance to God. And, and you should go home and read it, the whole Psalm, Psalm 51. And, and, and he starts with, God, I did this. This is my fault. If you're ever going to get healing, you've got to start with, I've got a problem. The first step to recovery is admittance. Say amen to that, everybody. If you're ever going to get healing from a, from a wounded spirit, I'm preaching to somebody today who has a wounded spirit. Oh, You've got a wounded spirit. And if you're ever going to get healing, you've got to admit something's not right on the inside. David goes to God and says, God, I was wrong and I'm not right. And then about ten verses down into this prayer to God, he finally gets to the crux of the matter. David said, if I'm going to rebuild my life, here's what I need. Psalm 51 and 10. Create in me. A pure heart. Now catch this. 
and renew a steadfast spirit. Three times in two verses, David says, the, let me get to the root of what really happened to me, God. I need you to create in me a clean heart and renew within me a steadfast spirit. And do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit. That's the second spirit in this. To, don't, don't take your Holy Spirit from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a third time willing spirit to sustain me a steadfast spirit a right spirit a loyal spirit a willing spirit a generous spirit David said if I'm ever going to get back to where I need to be I gotta admit I messed up but I really started in my spirit and I meet a ton of people not you but in the other service I meet so many Christians listen who try to fix what's wrong in your life by external stuff and you didn't realize at some point I let my spirit get out of control it wasn't about sex with someone who wasn't my wife it was about my spirit that wasn't right David said I know it was wrong what I did with Bathsheba but it really didn't start there it started in my spirit so God if I'm ever going to get right Renew in me a right spirit. My prayer for you today, listen, to unlock the kink. Now, God still blesses David immensely after this failure. Why? Because he fixed his spirit. Because he rules his own spirit. And my prayer for you today is that if you want to unlock the blessing of God in every area, if there's a, if there's a stumbling block, if there's a roadblock in a marriage, in a relationship, in, in your finances, on your job, with your children, in your career path, or maybe even in your spiritual life, if there's, I want you to go to the root. I want you to go to, the, I want you to, go to your spirit. I want you to ask God, God, give me, renew in me a right spirit. Let me give you three right spirits you need to have when you go to God. I told you there's list galore. I'm only getting started. Number one, I want you to have a teachable spirit. You need a teachable spirit. You need a teachable spirit. I started with this one because if you're going to get your spirit under control, you have to first know somebody's going to help you and teach you and coach you and lead you. And you cannot grow if you cannot be led. And you cannot be led if you don't have a teachable spirit. There's a whole lot of books written, volumes of books written about good leadership. But you ought to, you ought to be a good follower. You ought to learn good followership. Are you with me, everybody? That's learning to have a teachable spirit. Proverbs 15 and 5 says, A fool despises when somebody tells him what to do. But if you'll receive correction, the Bible says you're wise or prudent. There's something about having, how can you cultivate a growth environment in your life if you don't have a teachable spirit? If you're not seeking out other people and other experiences and other reflection, if you can't be led, it is not your personality, it is your teachability that unlocks the kingdom. Well, I'm just not, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just real. You're not just real, you're unteachable. That stung, I'm sorry. I'm just, I, Pastor, I just, that's just, that's just, this is just who I am. Well, be somebody different. <laughs> you're in control of your own spirit and you can develop and adapt a teachable spirit. Someone who can be led. Let me give you, I'm going to give you five characteristics of an unteachable person. I told you I am list. Woo! I got a bunch of them. Let me give you five traits of an unteachable person. Number one, 
You can just, you can see it. You'll look in their lives and you'll see unteachability. Number one, chronic failure. If you look around your life and there's failure in everywhere you've been, this career didn't work, that job didn't work out, this relationship ended, that thing didn't go well. There's, I always say it this way, if there's always destruction, you may be the tornado. <laughs> it's chronic failure. I'm just giving you the traits of an unteachable person. Chronic failure. Number two, they're, argu- uh, they're argumentative and they're defensive in their nature. Everything they say is defensive. Everything you do, they just put up defenses about everything. Always argumentative. Number three, they isolate and withdraw in times of difficulty. Well, this is just how I handle it. No, this is your way of not handling it because you're not teachable. I just, I like to be by myself and cool down. No, you don't want to lean into this because you may have to be confronted with your spirit that's unruly so that you can be taught and grow and molded and stretched so that God can open up the windows of heaven in your life. They they isolate, they withdraw. Number four, I got a bunch of lists, so I got to go fast. Number four, a trait of of an unteachable person, they, they transfer blame. Blame transfer. Well, I I only acted out because she started. He made me. They hurt me. If they didn't have done that, I remember what they did. I remember how she acted. I, I can't, I, listen, I'm just reacting, okay? Blame transfer. Number five, traits of, a, of an unteachable person. You surround yourself with people who agree with you and feel threatened by people who do not. We call this the echo chamber. It's where everybody in your life tells you, honey, I know, I know. I'd have left him too. You don't need them people. I don't need this kind of negativity in my life. I don't need this kind of people in my life. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need this church. I don't need these people. I don't need this job. I don't need this relationship. I don't need this. Well, eventually you end up with nobody because you're unteachable. Eventually you're on an island all by yourself. And when you get on the island all by yourself, God, I'm trying to rescue you. I really am. I I want you to hear grace and love in my heart because I want you to, I don't want you to get out there where nobody will send you a life raft. And it comes by being teachable, having a teachable spirit. You can't teach pride. You can't teach arrogance. You can't teach a know-it-all. You can only teach a humble, teachable, coachable, growth mindset spirit. Say amen to that, everybody. If you want a right spirit, you need to have a teachable spirit. Number two, you need to have an unoffendable spirit. Now, this ain't the right word, but this ain't English. An unoffendable spirit. <clears throat> if I could preach one message to all of America, it would be this message I'm preaching to you today, that your spirit needs to be unoffendable. It's amazing to me the season of offense that we're in. Somebody posts something on Facebook and you just can't believe they post it. And you just, I'm so triggered right now. I am so, I am shook. (laughs) Get unshook. (laughs) I I can't believe you, you said that. I am so offended. Quit being so offended. Can I go ahead and say this? There's only two stages to offense. Number one is when the offense comes. Everybody will have that. Matter of fact, Jesus said it's impossible that offenses don't come. Offense is going to come into your life. That's the first stage. The second stage is terminal, and it's deciding to live 
offended. Let me say it better this way. You can be offended and not live offended. You can be offended and being offended is, man, I, I wish they wouldn't have said it like that. But living offended is, I'm leaving here because nobody here, nobody here loves me. Being offended is, I misunderstood. There's an expectation in my marriage that they didn't meet. But living offended is, I, I, I'll never be able to trust you again because it's living offended. I always like to say it this way. People who live offended have a scratch on the lens of their soul. And when you have a scratch on your lens, everything you looked at is scratched. The TV scratched. The speaker scratched. Look at the scratch on the stage. No, all of this stuff is well. I've just got a scratch that I hadn't dealt with. And my offense is how I view you. So the past relationship that I had that scratched me, I now look at this relationship through the scratch and suddenly you're wrong. If you're a nail, everything's a hammer. <laughs> everything's out to get you. And you're offended by everything. Most people, write this down, many people are looking for an offense. I want you to be people who overlook an offense. I want you to be people that have a right spirit that say, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna try, I know their heart. Even when, I did, when, when, when what they said didn't seem to sit well and I didn't understand, I know their heart. I'm going to live unoffended. Are you still there, everybody? I'm going to live unoffended. Let me give you, I'll give you three reasons not to live offended. I told you, I'm, I'm, I got them. Bullet point number one. Three reasons not to live offended. Number one, it's exhausting. It's exhausting being offended all the time. I'm going to go ahead and say this. When people come to me with chronic exhaustion, it's almost always they have an offended spirit. You know why? Because you live your whole life in a posture of defense. Just clench your muscles together. Some of y'all hadn't done that in a week. I hadn't done it in a week. I pulled something in first service. <laughs> come on, clench them together. Put them up. Put you, come on. Just clench it. Now you imagine living clenched for the next 8, 9, 10, 12 hours of your day. You know what's going to happen when you go to bed at night? I'm exhausted. I'm just, I'm being honest with you. If you live offended and always with that defensive posture, it's amazing how exhausted and tired you are. It takes the life out of life. They'll sit back and just, oh, Oh, I'm just so, I'm so emotionally, spiritually, mentally nursing it, rehearsing it, cursing it. I've got more rhymes than Buster Rhymes today. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Number two. Reasons to not let offended. It's it's distracting. It's distracting. You keep focusing on what they did to you instead of what you're supposed to be doing. You, you, you ruminate on, it, on, on, on all the offense. You know what rumination is? It's actually a medical term. It's where cows uh, throw up. They literally regurgitate what's in their stomach into their mouth, and they re-chew it and re-swallow it, and then throw it back up, re-chew it, and re-swallow That's called ruminating. Lunch is soon. <laughs> That's called ruminating. And some of you, 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 keep, you keep throwing up all of those offenses and chew on them a little while. Just when you get healed, you'll chew it back up and ruminate on it. And you'll get distracted by the green pastures God wants you to feed in because you're too busy. You're feeding on the offense of yesterday. It's distracting. Number three, reason not to live offended, it's contagious. The most contagious virus loose on America today is not COVID 19, it's offense. 
It's offense. It's cont- I, I'm, I always find it funny when I counsel people in first service. Who, who come to me and say, Pastor, all these people around me have so many problems and issues. God, why are these people so weird and complaining all the time? <laughs> it's because you smell just like them. That's why. It's because they found a home with you. It's contagious. Are you with me there? I want you to live with an unoffendable spirit. Here's the last thing, and they're coming to play, so you think I'm closing. Here's the last thing. I, I, I want you to have a right spirit. I want you to have a teachable spirit, an undefendable spirit. And I want you to have a submitted spirit. This is the right spirit that David said I, I need. God, I recognize my sin. I recognize I did what I did. But it started in my spirit. And I, and I want to rule my spirit. I want to I build back the defenses around my spirit. And the only way to do that is have a submitted spirit. Now, I know this isn't a popular topic in today's society. When we're using words like equity and equality. And while I believe in equality for everybody has equal opportunity and was created by the same creator. It's amazing to me how God will open up doors for people who are submitted. That means you're going to have to realize somebody else is in control. Romans says it like this. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Romans 13 and 1. For there is no authority except that which God has established. I like how Paul says it again. The authorities that exist have been established by God. He says the same thing again. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God. Now, Paul is writing this in Corinth to the church in Rome. And the Jews in Rome are under Roman occupation. And I mean horrific Roman occupation. And so Paul is talking about civic authority. He's talking about ruling authority. That's, that's, there's an implied civic way here. But there's also an implication of deeper authority issues. There's also an implication that I'm going to submit my spirit. And when I do, God will bless but consequently listen the end of it says consequently whoever rebels against authority those who do so will bring judgment and there's some folks living your lives today maybe in church who feel like man why is all of this happening why why bad stuff always happens to me I always I can't ever get a break I, I just can't ever get it right no maybe it is maybe it is listen possibly it is that you don't rule your own spirit And an unruly spirit, an unsubmitted, unteachable spirit, an offended spirit is constantly like a city with its walls torn down. And the enemy keeps lobbing attacks over and over and over. And and it seems like judgment, but it's it's really about my spirit. Come on, it's not about submitting to authority that... That's abusive. I'm not telling you that. And it's not about submitting to authority just because they're right. Because that's not really submission. Submission to authority says, even when I disagree with you, even when I see your faults, even when I don't know what you're doing, I'm going to honor, respect, appreciate, and love you, even though I don't know why you're doing it. I'm going to take responsibility for my own spirit. It's my spirit, my responsibility. Say amen to that. 
you can unlock the kingdom. I, I, I'm teaching to you a kingdom principle today that I think honestly has the potential to change your life. If you'll rule your own spirit, if you'll take control of my attitudes, my actions, I'm not doing it because of what you did. I'm not paying you back. I'm not living in the past. I, I'm, not, I'm not allowing what you said to trigger me. No, no, no. I'm in charge of my spirit. And David gives the key. Here's the last thing, and then we'll pray. David gives the key. He says in Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, God. Renew a right spirit, steadfast spirit in me. Don't cast me from your presence. Or, here it is, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Close your Bibles and look at me. If you're going to rule your own spirit, it's going to be because you submit to the Holy Spirit. I want you to be a people in a world that seems to go crazy, in a world that's getting worse and worse by the, literally by the day and by the minute. I want you to be the people of God, the kingdom citizens who walk into situations and say, it doesn't really matter the tenor or tone of this room. I'm submitted to the king and the Holy Spirit is helping me rule my spirit. He's in control of my life. He's in control of my attitude. He's in control of my actions. He's in control of my responses. He's in control of my posting. He's in control of what I text. He's in control of my anger and my tongue and my thoughts and my eyes and my ears. I need the David said, don't take that Holy Spirit away from me because that's the only thing I can lean on. Give me a willing spirit to surrender to your Holy Spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed at church online and in the room. Come on, pray this way. God, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. God, I need the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in me so that I can unlock spiritual things, kingdom blessing, the favor of God on my life. Now, like David, you're going to have to admit some stuff. God, there's some stuff I've, I've let out of control. There's some times when I've let my spirit run rampant and I haven't been in control. I take responsibility for it. It's my spirit. It's my responsibility. God, today I, I submit and surrender. Come on, everybody in the room. To the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I submit my mind, my thoughts that seem to run out of control. No, 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 I'm going to take them captive. Make them obedient to Christ. I take my attitude that, that sometimes I just pretend, well, this is just where I come from or this is my personality. No, no, no. I submit my personality to Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in me, ruling and reigning in my heart, helping me rule my spirit. My responses, my, my relationships, everything's going to get better. God, I submit and surrender to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. If you've never done that in the room, if you've never done that at Church Online, I want to give you a chance to do that today, maybe for the very first time. What a better week than Passover week than Palm Sunday to give your heart to Jesus. It starts with a simple prayer. You can pray it out loud with me. I can't pray it for you, but I'd love to lead you in it. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for becoming that perfect lamb sacrificed that I could be made right with God. I repent of all my sins. I receive the forgiveness, the mercy, the grace that the cross affords me. 
I believe that God raised you from the dead. God, now be the Lord of my life. Rule and reign in my heart. Come on, pray this way. Everybody in the room. Holy Spirit, I submit to you. Fill me up. Top to bottom. Head to toe. Fill up my heart. God, those secret places that I haven't told anybody else about, haven't given anyone else access to, crack open that heart of stone. Holy Spirit, help me to rule my spirit today. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.